0: This is the Key to Authority Podcast, episode number nine. Welcome to the Key to Authority Podcast, where it is all about helping you
1: unlock the secrets of becoming the go-to expert in your industry. And here is your host,
0: Janesh Pandya. I define authority as getting known for what you do, why you do, and how you do it. When it comes to getting known for what you do, one of the most important thing is standing out from the crowd. And to achieve that, you need your business to be unique. The guest for today's episode is Mark Amin, a business and marketing coach who is focused in helping small businesses soar. In 2011, he began coupling the passion, energy, and creativity of small businesses with proven big business practices he acquired from his work with global brands and companies. Today, Mark is going to share with us how to go about identifying the uniqueness of your business. But before we get into the interview, I'd like to thank today's sponsor SiteGround. SiteGround is a WordPress and Joomla specialized hosting company. They add custom made solutions to your hosting to make your website faster, safer and better supported than anywhere else. I use SiteGround to manage my websites as well as my clients and it is mainly because of the 24/7 chat support and automated backup services. So, if you're fed up with the poor service of your current web host or looking to start a new website, then take SiteGround for a spin. Go to keytoauthority.com/siteground to get started. And here is Mark Amin. Hey, Mark, welcome to the Key to a Zaharic Podcast. Really appreciate you coming, especially because you've helped me a bit of developing the podcast on the way as well, giving me some ideas and what to think about it. So, love your insights into it and the way you think regards marketing. So, welcome on the show. Thank you. Uh, Mark, so a lot of people probably don't know about you. So, how did you get into consulting on marketing, especially what you do and how you do it? Okay. okay.
1: Well, I spent the last 20 years of my life as a Consumer Insights Specialist, working with brands like McDonald's, Nestle, Fox Sports, ESPN in some countries, and working on brands like Nokia. So, during that time, a lot of my work was spent on helping these companies launch new products, new services, new communication. So, So, I've been involved quite a bit in that sense, in that 20 years in new idea development and the one thing that i learned um, about all of those projects that i've done is the fact that unless you are unique and unless you stand up for something um why should anyone pay attention to you because you know the world is full of different kinds of products and services mm. right and in this day of in age of the internet it's not that difficult for anyone to search for anything yeah because it's a very crowded, and crowded market so i moved to work with small businesses about a couple of years ago, uh, in part it's a lifestyle change, in part also because I believe that the future is small business. Yep. I think there are lots of great, wonderful ideas that are that are around, and it's a pity sometimes I feel when some of these great, unique ideas are not able to advance further because the way in which they have positioned, perhaps the way in which they have been communicated, have not done justice to the fact that they are. Truly different and unique, yeah. because I would like to think everyone wants to be unique. And I believe even to the point of stating that you have a unique problem that nobody else has. Okay? Yep. Yeah. So in that sense, the market for uniqueness is there. Yeah. The challenge is how do you position what you have, communicate what you have in a unique way um, that truly stands out.
0: Yep. Yeah. Okay.
1: So. And also because in the last couple of years, you know, I've had lots and lots of opportunities to interact, to work with small businesses, either through the shared office space that I run or through the teaching that I do to startups and new businesses. A lot of them, um, it would just be a matter of time before they feel frustrated at what they're doing. Yep. And that source of frustration usually lies in the fact that they have to compete on price. Yeah? So, while they may be able to get the sales volume mm-hmm. but at the end of the year when they look at the bottom line, it all tends to be red. Yep. Okay? So, despite all that work and despite all the sales that they have done, it, 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 it doesn't really show up in terms mm-hmm. of profitability or, or the bottom line. Yep. Uh, and competing on price usually can lead you in that direction. So, someone once said to me that giving discounts is the fastest and shortest way to bankruptcy. <laughs> and, uh, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and uh, you know, um, sometimes it's not just competing on being cheaper, but on promising to do better, stronger, you know, longer, quicker, faster. All of those things are what I call ER or emergency room marketing. Yep. Okay, all all those words the answer ER. And what you do basically when you do that, you are undervaluing. Yep. And once you you yourself are undervaluing what you do. What do you expect the customers to do? They will respond Absolutely. likewise as well. Okay. So when I work with businesses who are experiencing that frustration, that's where I began to realize that, you know what? What you're doing, what you're saying, how you're positioning yourself, you're not doing justice to that idea. Yeah. Okay. You're making yourself look very much similar like all else. And if you're new, if you're a new business, for example, what else will motivate anyone to part away with their money and use you other than promising to be cheaper you're promising to do better than the rest or you spend more time with them whatever any one of those er marketing tactics okay so you might get the work done yep but it won't be long before you find yourself in knee deep in financial problems yeah absolutely okay? so that's how i got started on on the that's the basis of the work that I do with uh, businesses today—small, big, medium, or startups. It's all about trying to identify that uniqueness,
0: that idea, the business,
1: the service. Even yeah. it
0: could be communications. Yeah, and that's really good because there's a lot of noise at the moment, yeah. and obviously with internet, any Tom, Dick, and Harry can say claim that they are different or how. Yeah. So, tell me about that then. So, what is the key when it comes to identifying that uniqueness in one's business?
1: All right. So, it starts with, first and foremost, trying to identify the epicenter of that uniqueness. Yep. Okay. And I do what we call the benefit pyramid structure. So, using my experience as a consumer insight specialist where, in the past, I used to do that interviews with consumers to understand what they want. Yep. Now, I use the same technique to understand from the business owner's point of view, of an agent's point of view, really, what are you delivering, okay, what's in it for them at the end of the day. So, with that benefit pyramid structure series of interviews that I do, I try to identify the epicenter. Yep. So, that epicenter of the uniqueness could be anything. It could even be the quality of the product. It could be the way you do it, uh, the way you provide the service, it could be the way you present it uh, or in some cases if you are into doing something that's online, it could be the yeah, delivery platform. Yep. Okay, So, it's not that businesses do not know what they are, Yeah, but sometimes you knowing it as a business idea, uh, as a business owner is not good enough. Okay, It has to be seen, shared also by the target segment of the prospects because Mm. at the end of the day they are the ones who's going to own that idea because they are the one who's buying it. Okay. So whilst you may develop it, you are not the owner unless you intend to buy your own products. Yep. Okay? It's about trying to identify the epicenter that can be seen, credible, believed by a target prospect. Okay. Now, not many businesses and I've come to realise that through the work that I do Mm. really Mm. interrogate what is the benefit that they're delivering? Yep. They're usually talking about the features. So, you know, that's what one of my clients told me. Features tell, but they don't sell. <laughs> what sells is the benefit. Yep. In other words, the solution that you're providing hmm. to your target prospects. Yep. Okay? So, that's one. And then the next one that I do uh, is I basically find a way in which we can position and communicate that. Benefit that idea to consumers to your prospects in a way that they can easily grasp and appreciate. Yep. Okay. So I use a technical metaphor uh, called um, I, I use metaphors. Yep. Uh, because metaphors it's one of the easiest way in which you can connect. Yep. With people. All right. Example: If you want to tell someone you're extremely angry with them, you would use a metaphor such as you know you drive me up the wall. <laughs> so, when you communicate that, the other party almost immediately understands yep. that they need to back off mm. before something worse happens, happens, right? So, the
0: world breaks down. <laughs> okay. So,
1: I use the metaphor, the metaphors as a technique to help you position and communicate. Mm. Right? So, for example, um, one of my clients is a migration, uh, uh, runs a migration business, yep. okay? <clears throat> the kind of visas that he does, a lot of people tend to think they can do it themselves because a lot of people tend to think that applying for a visa is as easy as, you know, uh, completing an embarkation or disembarkation card. Yeah. Maybe some visas are like that but not in this category of visas that he handles, yeah. okay? So, through that series of interviews and, and, and uh, sessions that I've had with him trying to identify the epicenter, we came to the conclusion that He's not a migration agent. He's essentially a navigator. Yep. He basically points you. I mean, obviously he does all those other things that's required, but he points you in the direction that, in a nutshell, increases your chances of success. Yep. So we use the metaphor of a, of a navigator. Okay. Uh, to develop that positioning, which, you know, is mirrored in his logo, in his website design, in his sales process, yep. in all the interactions that he has with his clients, he is one who is a navigator mm. that guides you, charts the path for you, and obviously journeys with you to get you to that destination, which we hope they will get It's an applicant yep. for whatever the, uh, that particular visa. Okay, So once you are able to identify that metaphor, yep. you build your entire marketing strategy around that metaphor. Mm. And what happens as a result of that, there is focus and there is consistency. Okay. And that in itself takes away some of the difficulties and challenges of running a business where if you do not have that focus because you do not have, you do not know what the uniqueness, you could be running around like a headless chicken doing almost anything and everything that comes your way, especially when things are not moving along well. Yep. Now, in this day and age where everyone wants to be in a position where they can measure, where they can track what they're doing, if you have a whole variety of things that you're doing, how do you know what is working and what is not no, working? Absolutely. Okay? Right. So you need to anchor your business on that one thing. And that one thing should be the uniqueness of your positioning. And then everything else that you do is going to be anchored on that so that you can measure the effectiveness. Yep. Okay? So when I share this with startups and small businesses, the common reaction that I get is, oh, that's for the big guys, that's for the big companies, and so on. <laughs> but the reality is, regardless of size, there are certain practices, there are certain standards that just have got to be applied. Yep. And this is the thing that I do as well, well not as a main focus, but as a byproduct, so to speak, is to get startups, small businesses, to adopt the relevant practices of big business. Now, all of that, not all the things that are done by businesses are bad, right? Yep. I mean, they are good things. So, the challenge that we have is to apply those which are relevant. Yep, uh, to small businesses or medium-sized businesses.
0: Yeah, and so uh, I loved how you talked about the epicenter and then relating to the metaphor. Yeah. So is there a quick example of a good metaphor or good business you've seen that actually does this well that people could relate to or something very quick then we can go into the key takeaway. Well, if you think about Apple, for example, um, to me,
1: Apple is probably the best manifestation of plug and play. Yeah. Technology world, right? So there's a lot of playful elements in, in, in the Apple variety of, of, of products and even some of the apps that are Apple centric. Mm. Okay. Now, that consistency is manifested in the store layout. Yep. When you walk into an Apple store, you almost know that this space allows you to play. <laughs> right? yeah, true. If you compare that to some other electronic stores or some other you know similar similarly related stuff, so to speak, there's almost as this um in, in one of those security beams you can't see it but once yep. you cross that line it begins to zap you yeah okay. But in Apple store, you are if you don't do it, then they're very suspicious of you. <laughs> right? Because then You're a Windows it, person. Oh you know, this guy's out to grab something, right? So keep <laughs> an eye on him. But if you do it, that's what they want you to do. Yeah. Because, you know, that's how Apple have positioned themselves. Yeah. It's a it's a plaything, right? I mean, yeah. It's not a plaything in a frivolous way, but you know, you, you can do it for work and do it for Anything, entertainment yeah. or whatever kind of thing, right? So that's a classic example where there is that consistency. A few years ago, I worked on an American petrol company called Conoco. We have a Conoco petrol uh, petrol station. It's also the jet, um, what do you call that, uh, convenience store. Okay? Mm. And the stores are not to be meant by, you know, in Asia where I work, people tend to associate people who work in, in, in petrol stores and sea stores to be in their retirement or couldn't do anything else in life. Conoco right? yeah. didn't want to have that association for their sea stores because that's not how it is positioned in the U.S., when I was asked to do the research, the brief that was given to me was, help us to identify the hard rock cafe kind of employee so that we can set up an employment criteria so that we know who to attract. Yeah, okay. Because there needs to be consistency. Walking into a C store that's run by Konoko is one where there's fun. It's, it's almost like a hard rock kind of feeling, but yeah. in a petrol C store setup kind of thing, right? Yeah. So that's another element of consistency. Okay. But if you think about small businesses, um, maybe because of the absence of positioning or not being clear about their positioning, it can be very inconsistent, the touch points. Yep. So I get asked these questions every now and then, as much as I don't do a lot of brand development work, how do I arrive at consistency in my Facebook, in my LinkedIn, in my this in my that? Well, one, try to use the same agency, but two, unless there is an anchor strategy, uh, sorry, unless there is an anchor positioning to begin with it, yeah. you can find yourself looking like One of those... Anywhere
0: and everywhere kind of... Yeah,
1: and and the excuse given to me sometimes by them is that we change according to... Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I understand totally and I've seen that happen as well. It's like people going through different phases and they're all over the place and you have no idea what they talk about. So a quick one. So what could the listener today do to talk about getting that epicenter right in their business and maybe even developing a metaphor? Is there a question you particularly ask or they could ask themselves or something.
1: I always ask three questions in all my consultation clients, the first three questions. First question, what are you doing, Yep. right? So you do a massage therapist and uh, this is what I do kind of Yep. Thing, right? Next question I ask is, so how do you do it? Yep. So they begin to describe how to do it and so on. I think, and almost inevitably, in fact I've got 100% record as far as that's concerned, when they describe what they're doing without fully realizing there is something unique and different. Yep. Okay. But because they've never had to express it as a response to a question that I asked, they never realize or notice it. Mm. Okay, so I have got a hundred percent record, as I mentioned, that there were always there's never been not one client who never said anything that's unique but didn't realize it until I said, "Do you realize that?" <laughs> and then I follow up with my third question. So really, what are you doing? Yep, and that's where the light bulbs go on, and. That will form the basis of my next series of interviews and sessions with them, which is about trying to identify the epicenter Yep. and then trying to build or rather identify a metaphor that yep. we can use to help position it.
0: Thanks for that, Mark. I really appreciate it, especially those three questions and you realizing what you don't know by just answering that. So what if people want to get in touch with you, connect with you? How can they get hold of you?
1: Well, I would most prefer for them to give me a
0: call. Yep. I'll add the phone number and the show notes, and that way it's much easier for people to do that. Or they can email me. Yep. I'd rather do that. Call me conservative or traditionalist, but Mm. nothing beats face-to-face. Oh, absolutely. It's Online is the same, but like when you have that face-to-face interaction, there's something different. And you do have a website, they can check out some stuff, what you do as well. Okay, so my web, my new website is being developed.
1: Yep. Uh, it's au. Yep. Uh, don't get there till about a month from now because the brief that I've given to my website design is make sure it's unique and
0: compelling. <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously. <Yeah>. Now, absolutely, <laughs> like, I'll uh, we'll put down the details and we'll, we'll see what goes. Okay. So, thanks a lot, Mark, and really Thank appreciate you. it. No problem. Cheers. All right. Hope you enjoyed listening to the interview with Mark and it helped you bring out the uniqueness of your business. Today's action for you is to write down the answers for the three questions. First, what are you doing? Second, how do you do it? And third, so really, what are you doing? Thank you for listening and to get all the details and links talked about in today's show, go to keytoauthority.com EP008 for the show notes. And if you have any questions or comments, make sure you leave a comment under the show notes. Till we talk next, go find the uniqueness of your business. Thank you so much for listening to the Key to Authority podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share at
1: www.keytoauthority.com. We'll see you next time.